the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 John. Love is an emotion, but it's not a feeling in the sense that it's all about how we feel. Love is sometimes... Uh, hear me on this. Love is sometimes a decision. Love is a discipline. We love when it's not always convenient. We love when it's not always comfortable. And sacrificial love is not always easy. If there's a sacrifice, it means that there's something inconvenient. But as Jesus laid down his life, which was a tad bit inconvenient, so should we be willing to love in a way that is sometimes inconvenient. When we're told to love others as God has loved you, sometimes we might think it just means to be nice to people. But in today's message, Pastor Gary explains that sometimes love is an action. It's not just a feeling. Sometimes that love means sacrificing things like comfort, time, effort. After all, true love means sacrificing for others. Maybe it's inconvenient to you sometimes, but remember, Jesus was tortured and killed for you. I'd call that a bit more than an inconvenience. So is sacrificing some comfort really so bad? At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 John chapter 3 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. In verse 10, In this the children of God... And the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. So so that's the second bullet point under children of the devil. Does not practice righteousness because you're not of the Lord. Nor is he who does not love his brother. So that's another bullet point that he says here marks those who do not belong to the Lord. Now, the word love there is a word that he loves to use throughout this epistle 45 times John uses the word love in five chapters that is more times than any other book of the New Testament and every time John uses the word love it is always the Greek word agape which is the highest most supreme form of love and he and he says there and he's going to he's going to launch into this section now in the rest of chapter 3 about what is real love? He's going to talk about how, how are we to love others. And one of the things that marks us as followers of Christ is that we love our brother. We love our sister. We love people. And again, it's not this, you know, it's not this love, this superficial love. It is agape love. We love them with the love of the Lord. As a believer, we are to love people with the love of the Lord. We are to genuinely love others as he has loved us. 
We're to, we are to exemplify. Jesus said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so he, he ends verse 10 by saying, you know, somebody who belongs to the devil doesn't love his brother versus us. We should. Verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one. He was motivated by, by the devil, obviously, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. So, you know, this is the story back in the garden. After they had been expelled from the garden, Adam and Eve, they had a couple of sons, Cain and Abel. And um, Cain kills his brother Abel, all because of jealousy. It's really what it was, because Abel offered a sacrifice to the Lord that was a righteous sacrifice, and Cain did not. And so Cain's offering was rejected, and Abel's was accepted, and so Cain kills his brother over it, all because of jealousy. He murdered his brother all because of jealousy. So... John says, who do you think was the motivator behind that? It was the devil. Because Cain was, you know, just giving in to the temptations of the enemy, just jealousy in his flesh, and, and, he, and he succumbed to it, kills his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his works were evil. His brothers were righteous. So verse 13, he says, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Please underline that in your Bibles. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. As a follower of Christ, you will not always be liked. And this is an important thing for us to grasp because we live in a day, we live in a culture that is all about how many likes you get. All right, that's, that's all that the world has become on social media now. How many likes did I get? And your whole self-image rises and falls on how many thumbs you got on your social media. How many liked your picture? How many liked your post? How many liked what you wrote? And if a bunch of people really like you, you feel good. If you don't get a bunch of likes, you feel depressed. And so we're living in a culture where everything about us is dependent on how much we're liked. And we got to get over ourselves. We got to get over ourselves. In Matthew chapter 5, 11 and 12, Jesus said, Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you for my name's sake. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets that were before you, great is your reward in heaven. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus also talked about how the world will hate us. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22 When he was talking about persecutions that are coming, you live for your faith, there's going to be persecutions that are coming. And he said in Matthew 10, 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Let me say it to you this way. If you don't have at least some people in your life, either at work or your family or neighbor, who don't like you, if you at least have some people who don't like you, you probably aren't living enough for the Lord. Just let that sink in just a little bit. If everybody likes you, you you can't be living for the Lord. There's going to be somebody who doesn't like you just by virtue of the fact 
that you're living for Jesus. So we need to take inventory of our hearts and our lives and think to ourselves, if everybody likes me, why is that? Why does everybody like me in my life? Okay, now I'm not encouraging you to do stuff so that you'll be hated. Okay, because it's easy for us to do that. All right, you can tick somebody off in a New York minute if you want to. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting go around, try to make enemies. I'm just simply saying, if you really intentionally are living for Jesus, there's going to bound to be people who don't like you because you're just living for the Lord and you wanted to do what is right. And Jesus tells us this, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you for my name's sake, people are going to do that. If you're connected to Jesus, some people will simply not like you because of your faith in Jesus. And so when John writes here, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you, and you read this and you go, well, everybody loves me. I don't, I don't know why you would say that. Then I, I would say, how, how bold is your witness for Jesus? Because some people will say things about you if you're living for the Lord. Don't be surprised if you're hated. Don't be surprised if people gossip about you, talk about you, post stuff on social media about you because of your faith. Okay? It's bound to happen. Because I'm, you know, in a public role and, you know, in, in ministry and everything we do gets archived on our website, you know, uh, I have people who, and I, I stopped looking a long time ago, but I have people who would send me messages like, oh, you ought to see this person copied a clip of what you said and they posted it on their social media and it's on fire. It's gone viral now. And it's ugly stuff. It's ugly stuff. Like, okay, it's going to happen, Right. It just increased my prayer life for that person. That's all that it did. But you should expect this to some degree. People aren't going to like what you stand for. People aren't going to like what you believe. It's okay. They didn't like Jesus either. They didn't like the prophets who were before you. But great is your reward in heaven. So keep living for the Lord. Don't back down. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he goes on to say in verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So in verse 16, starting in this next section, he kind of outlines here how we are to love others. So verse 16, by this we know love. Because he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So if you're taking notes, one of the first ways we're to love others is sacrificially. Now, you know, he's talking here about Jesus laid down his life. We should be willing to die. Obviously, this is first century. Uh, they're being martyred. It's, it's a very bloody century for the early church. And so he's writing very literally here. Um, you know, we're, we're living in a time when it's a lot more comfortable and, and our lives may not necessarily be required of us for our faith, although I think we should always be living in a way as if it could and, and if our lives are required of us. You know, I, was it Columbine or I forget which tragedy it was where, you know, kids were being asked in, in the school before they were shot, you know, are you going to renounce your faith in Jesus? And and people would say no and they would be killed. You know, it's unthinkable to us that even in our day, people might die for their faith, but it can happen. And so, 
we should be prepared to lay down our lives if necessary. But in general, so just spiritually speaking, if not for the moment literally speaking, love should be sacrificial. Um, Love's not always convenient. Love's not an emotion, by the way. Love's not a feeling. You know, I know that we treat it like that. It's just, I'm sorry, love is an emotion, but it's not a feeling in the sense that it's all about how we feel. Love is sometimes, uh, hear me on this, love is sometimes a decision. Love is a discipline. We love when it's not always convenient. We love when it's not always comfortable. And sacrificial love is not always easy. If there's a sacrifice, it means that there's something inconvenient. But as Jesus laid down his life, which was a tad bit inconvenient, so should we be willing to love in a way that is sometimes inconvenient towards others. We should love sacrificially. Verse 17, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So number two, our love should be materially. He says there, he says, you know, if you really love and there's one way that we can show love and that's materially helping somebody who has material needs. James would say in James 2.16, if one of you says to a brother or to a sister, go, I wish you well, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? And so sometimes love takes the form of materially helping someone. And, uh, and, you know, and I'm, I'm blessed uh, around the holidays because I hear how, you know, people, and, and some people have, um, and this is a good thing, some people have used the church to kind of be an anonymous um, intermediary between themselves and a family that's in need because they don't necessarily want a family to know who's helping them. So sometimes we'll, we'll get people who will uh, just bring wads of cash and say, would you please give this to family so-and-so? We just don't want them to know it was us. And, and we'll do that. I mean, this is the kind of thing where, you know, people are just motivated, especially you see it around the holidays, to just think of others materially. And so, you know, I'm always blessed by that when I, you know, I, I hear, I mean, there, you know, there was a, a single lady in our church and she needed a new roof. And uh, so we paid for the roof and, and several people in our church provided the manual labor and went over and put a new roof on our house. And, and this is the kind of thing where, you know, we don't want to just say, like James says, hey, God bless you, be well fed and clothed, but we do nothing to help the material needs. Part of the church is to love in a way that is also materially, where if you have the means and you see people who don't, it's a way that we can show the love of the Lord to them. He says in verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now, let me clarify, what, what he literally means is, let us not love only in word or tongue, but also in deed and in truth. So he tells us here, love verbally, because that's that he's, he's comparing here. Don't, don't love only in word or tongue, but it's good to do that. It's good to say verbally that you love somebody, but then also love them in deed, love them practically, show them. And love them in truth, love them truthfully, be honest and sincere in your love towards them. And he, and he says in verse 19, and by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Now, 
Let me just back up and explain this. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Everybody needs to understand, if you don't already, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Does everybody get that? There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. In Christ, Paul writes in Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. So once you become a Christian, Jesus has paid the price, took the shame, took the guilt, took our sin. If you're still walking in condemnation, then you either have a super sensitive heart where you are, you know, condemning yourself or, or you've not totally just walked in, in that forgiveness and, and given that shame and guilt to the Lord. Maybe the enemy keeps reminding you of, you remember when you did this? Remember when you did this? Even though you've confessed it as sin and God's forgiven you of it. So, so what he's saying here is, you know, don't walk in condemnation. Because, because he says, if your heart begins to condemn you, Spurgeon said it this way. He said, sometimes our heart condemns us, but in doing so gives a wrong verdict. But we have the satisfaction of taking the case to a higher court where God is greater than our hearts. And so don't walk around in condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation that are in Christ Jesus. And that's why John adds here, God's greater than our heart. So if your heart starts to condemn you, take it to the Lord. Let God remind you of his forgiveness and his grace. Conviction, however, is a necessary thing. Jesus said in John 16, verse 8, that part of the mission of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. So when I do something that is sinful or wrong and displeasing to God, and I feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit, that's a good thing. And if you feel conviction of the Holy Spirit, that's a good thing. Don't walk around going, I rebuke that conviction in Jesus' name. I rebuke that. That's the Holy Spirit. Okay? But there's a difference between conviction. Okay, that was not right. Shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have done that. Lord, forgive me. I confess it as sin. Cleanse my heart. And condemnation, which is, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm never going to be forgiven. This thing haunts me. I'm just never going to be right with God. And, and that kind of rehearsing over and over again, what the enemy loves to bring up, what we bring up ourselves, because we're unforgiving often towards ourselves, even though God has forgiven us. Don't be people of condemnation. But yes, we should be people who are under conviction. And then he adds, In verse 21, beloved, if our heart does condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now, he says there in verse 22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. Is every time you ask God, do you actually receive from him? So it's always important to balance scripture with scripture. And if you go over a couple of chapters to chapter 5, let me show you what else he writes here in chapter 5, verse 14. In chapter 5, verse 14, he says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know, I'm thankful that there are some times that God has said no to me. Because if I had gotten what I asked for, it would have been a mess. But what I asked for was not necessarily in accordance with his will. And when it's not in accordance with his will, obviously God is not obligated to give us anything. 
So when you look at scripture with scripture, when he says back here in chapter three, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. Don't think that everything you ask, you're going to get from God. Do your kids get everything from you? Aren't you a little bit smarter than a three-year-old? So when your three-year-old wants donuts for dinner and Pop-Tarts for lunch and Twinkies, do they still make Twinkies for breakfast? I think they brought back the Twinkies, didn't they? You're going to say as a loving parent, no, and your kid's going to throw a fit, but you know better than they that you can't have a diet of Twinkies, Pop-Tarts, and donuts. And so there are some times that in our prayer lives, we're asking things that are the equivalent of Twinkies and Pop-Tarts and donuts, and God's like, that's not good for you, and I'm not going to give you that. And we're like, wah, wah. And God's like, I I know you're upset that you're not getting this, but it's because I know just a little bit more than you do. And so don't think that everything we ask we get, because not everything we ask is in accordance with his will. But in general, one of the beauties of the relationship with the Lord is that when we come to him and we pray according to his will and we make our requests known, he hears us and he honors our prayers. Verse 23, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Verse 24, and now he who keeps his commandments abides in him. There's that word abide again. And he in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. I'll close with these last four points to summarize this. He says in verse, uh, back up in verse 19, and by this we know that we are of the truth. And then what I just read at the end of verse 24, he says, and by this we know that he abides in us. So he wants us to have an assurance of our, of our faith that we belong to him. And so here's how we know that we belong to him. This is just summarizing what we just read. The first is God's love in us. God's love in us. So, you know, when, when you love other people and you realize that you're loving other people with a capacity that is not your own, that God's given you a capacity to love people that otherwise without the Lord, you wouldn't be able to love. Can you relate to what I'm saying? Okay, you know that there are times in your life that you genuinely love somebody and it's only because God gave you the capacity. It's, it's an evidence that the Lord is in you because you don't have the capacity to love like that. But God's given you that capacity to love. So one of the things that he says is how we know that we belong to him is God's love in us. The other thing that he adds there in verses 20 and 21 is that there's no condemnation. When you, when you walk around knowing the forgiveness of the Lord, and you've given the shame and the guilt. Again, Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation. That testifies to your heart that you belong to him. Number three, answered prayer is a testimony that you belong to him. When you have that wonderful opportunity, again, not every single time. God's not obligated to answer every single prayer, every single way, every single you know, time the way we want it. But when you do get answers to those prayers, does it not testify to your heart? how much God cares about you and how much he lives within you. So answered prayer, he adds there. And then finally, he adds there, God's spirit in us. He he closes out chapter three by saying, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Paul would write in Romans 8, 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so God bears witness. His Holy Spirit residing in us, bearing witness with our spirit, you belong to me. You're my child. I love you. 
That's his spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we belong to him. You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 John, a deep book with a simple truth front and center. We find this truth in 1 John 3.11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Did you know there's a way you can love your fellow listeners? We hope you learned something new as you listened today, and even more, that you were inspired to continue searching the Bible for God's love, truth, and grace. Would you join us in praying for your fellow listeners? With every message, there's potential for someone who desperately needs hope to hear about Jesus, and prayer is an incredible way to support them, even though you may never meet them. Or maybe today, it's you who needs prayer. We'd love to hear from you. Please send requests to prayer at ccvb.net. That's prayer at ccvb.net. Are you looking to go deeper into this study? Head over to our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, where you'll find companion resources that are available to you completely free. Once again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have time for in today's message. There's more to learn, so we hope you'll join us here next time for more from Pastor Gary on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.